Hello, my name is John Brink and we are on the Brink podcasting from Prince George, British Columbia. And for all those guests around the world that are watching us, Prince George is the capital of Northern BC, about 800 kilometers north of Vancouver, the absolute most beautiful place in the world. You must come and visit us. And today's a special day. A friend of mine, Wes Mitchell, is our guest. Wes. Oh, good Welcome to the show. Yeah, good afternoon, John, and it's an honor to be here on uh, the Cleetly Tenet Territory in uh, Park House at, at your establishment here. It's, it's a beautiful afternoon. Yes, yeah. and, and so I want you to talk about, you are a very interesting person for many reasons, and we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. I've known you for a number of years already, and uh, uh, you know, so you are from the Wet'suwet'en, Wet'suwet'en. First, yeah. Wet'suwet'en yeah. First Nations. Correct. And, and where, where is the Wet'suwet'en Nations again? Uh, Wet'suwet'en, well, my, my uh, home base would be Wet'suwet, B.C., between there and Smithers, B.C., but uh, it, it covers from pretty much Burns Lake, uh, just past uh, Wet'suwet'en, and all around the Houston area. It's, it's quite a, a wide territory. Right. So th- there's, there's uh, yeah, a lot of uh, beautiful landscape and... So that's where you grew up. Uh, I, I grew up in Smithers until uh, I was about eight years old. I moved. We moved here, Prince George, in 1986. So you moved here to Prince George, and and uh, tell us a little bit more about your background. So you moved to Prince George. Yeah. So, yeah. So and in '86 we left Smithers uh, with my stepfather Terence Ferguson, and we ended up uh, traveling with a, a five, 25 foot trailer all the way to Hamilton, Ontario. Oh my! He, yeah, he was a truck driver. We stopped all the way, many places. We have family out in Ontario. Uh, we stayed there for about a month, and he just he just couldn't find uh, the position he wanted as a class one driver. And we slowly made our way back to to Prince George. We stopped in Thunder Bay. Uh, we pretty much almost set base there. My mom was working at a, a heritage uh, history place there. And then uh, just one day, a week into, into us living there and just about renting a place, he says, well, no, this isn't good. And we ended up driving to Kamloops and then from Kamloops up to Prince George. So we took the long way from Smithers to Prince George. And uh, uh, it was an amazing journey. Like the, me, my brother, uh, my older brother, Rick, and my mother, and then my stepfather, Terry, who, who was an amazing man. Now, now, somehow you also have a Dutch connection of some sort, right? That's my mother. She's 100% Dutch. Yeah. And, and she was born in Holland. Uh, she was born in New Westminster. New Westminster, yeah, but yeah. her parents were yeah. from Holland yeah. George and Tina De Witt, yeah. George yeah. is from Northern Holland and yeah. Tina from Southern. You don't get much more Dutch than De Witt. Yeah. You know, so the, uh, yeah. yeah, it's very, very, very interesting. And, uh, you know, that I always found that interesting if I talk to you because we, we talked uh, about your heritage in terms of uh, your mom in particular being uh, her parents growing up and right. she also growing up in a Dutch environment, right? Yeah. So the, uh, you know, the, uh, so that was very interesting. And so tell us a little bit more about your past when you were young and you had a challenging background in many ways, right? So tell us a little bit about the, that. The, the early childhood, for sure, leading up to 86 was, uh, you know, my mother, a single mother with two kids. She worked three jobs in Smithers, uh, waitressing, and, 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 you know, having to get a sitter for me and my brother. Uh, it was, you know, there was a lot of uh, 
uh, I'll just be straight up. A lot of uh, my father wasn't around. Uh, he was uh, dealing with whatever demons he had. Uh, he liked to party. Um, he, you know, there was domestic violence within our house, and and uh, that's when when uh, my stepfather Terence Ferguson came into our lives, and uh, there just wasn't anything going on good in Smithers that that uh, family-wise or work-wise. So that's when he, you know, he said he's leaving, and my mom said okay. He gave her he gave her the options with me and my brother Rick to go with him, and she right away said yes, let's go. Let's, let's right. start a new journey and a new chapter in our life, and. Uh, uh, to this day, you know, he, 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 he helped us, uh, he helped us, you know, in a, in a bad situation where, uh, you know, baseball games for my father and, and partying and being with his friends, mostly out, what was it called, Morristown. That was your then. stepfather. Or father. My, my father, Clement Mitchell. Yeah. He's my biological father. Who, that's my indigenous heritage to Wet'suwet'en. He's yeah. Get him, he's get him down and my mom is the Dutch. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, and to, like, to fast forward quickly, I, I understand why he was the way he was at a young age now. And a lot of that, you know, played a, a lot into, uh, you know, me not feeling, you know, just not having the culture in my life and not having my father in my life was a big black hole. But yeah. my mother was very sturdy and my stepfather was amazing. And we ended up here in Prince George in 86. And, and life was good from there, you know, for, yeah. for, for quite a few years. I, I lived in Prince George, played hockey, played lacrosse, played yeah. baseball. You know, he, he supplied for me. He worked 16 hours a day for Trimac, and uh, uh, my mom went to school and became a teacher uh, at an SD uh, school district 57. Are they still in Prince George? Uh, my mom is. He, yeah. he actually, unfortunately, passed away on Connaught Hill in 1998 on a okay. car accident, single, okay. single vehicle car accident. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Now, Morristown, uh, you know, where you, did, how, what is your connection to Morristown? That would be my Mitchell family. Uh, you know, I, I'm connected to the Mitchells and and uh, the Morrises, and they're my cousins. And that's where my father is from. He's Gidimden, which is Grizzly and Wolf uh, Grizzly and Wolf clan. And my grandmother is Hazel Mitchell and Donald Mitchell. And they're they're residential school survivors. Well, they're passed on now, but they yeah, yeah. they went through the systems, right? And that's yeah. why I kind of know what I, my my father had a rough upbringing too, right? From, right. From I, that. I remember, you know, I spent quite a bit of time from time to time in Morristown because, uh, you know, we have a lumber company in Houston and uh, I've done some work with the Morristown band and returned in regards to interaction between their operations and mm -hmm. ours. And then I got to know them well in terms of the things they were trying to accomplish. In the mid 90s, they built a plant there, a remanufacturing plant. Kiawood, yeah. Yeah, Kiawood. Kiawood, yeah. Yeah, and, and unfortunately it doesn't operate anymore no. now, but the building is still there. So I know them well and uh, I know the people in the band, yeah. uh, you know, at that time and, and from time to time, even now, we still do some work with them. Yeah, yeah they've turned that into a into a waste sanitation or recycle place right now. I know that, but I worked at Kaiwood for a few years and yeah. And uh, yeah. The, at the finger joining plant? Uh, yes. But yeah. I worked more so in the, in where the, off the green chain. Yeah. 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 And my dad was elite was a, uh, that's when I got to go back to Smithers and, and I, I stayed with my dad and, and he, uh, he brought me into Kaiwood. He was a, a lead hand there and yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we spent some, some good time together later on in life, right? At, at, yeah. at, at in my twenties. And, and then you had, uh, you know, that uh, we all do in a way. Uh, you had a few challenges here and there as well. Uh, uh, 
You mean just kind of like with uh, battling demons as well? Yeah. In a way? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've had, uh, you know, I, throughout my, you know, from 20 till 40, uh, you know, I could rise and I could fall. I would rise and I'd fall. And what I mean by fall is I would pick up a drink and, and uh, you know, it just make some bad decisions and, and my behaviors changed and uh, that, led, that, that led into opening doors to to many types of drugs, hard drugs, and uh, I couldn't close those doors. And, and with the black hole already in me with, with, with some early trauma, childhood trauma and just- PTSD, that in, in, right? Yeah, and it, yeah, intergenerational trauma. I, at that time, I didn't know, right? Yeah. And uh, it, you know, uh, alcohol is the devil for, for indigenous people yeah, in many no ways. And yeah. I don't wanna preach because a lot of people can function and do what they do on it. But yeah. uh, just for myself, I can speak for myself and what I've seen through my family genes is is alcohol is 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 a very bad poison for for our our people and my family it's, it's so important i always believe mess and be our friends as well yeah. that you can talk about it as you do yeah. uh, you know because there are a lot of people that are struggling with that even today as we speak and for them to see a person like you that has gone through that and and then mm -hmm. from your age from 20 to 40 struggling with it in very challenging periods and and then come through it and then obviously be the success that you are today at least in my opinion and the opinion of many many others we'll talk about that a little bit yeah. later but uh, all the things that you have done and still doing on a day-to-day -day basis is is amazing but i want to know from you is that how far did you go before you hit bottom and had to make a decision that if I don't stop, I'm not going to live? Uh, I had, I was a slow learner that way. And I had to, uh, you know, when you say hit bottom for, for me with my rising and falling, when I would fall and hit bottom, uh, there was almost no bottom for me. I just keep scratching at the bottom, right? And, and that's how powerful cunning and baffling the disease was for me. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up, uh, you know, on the streets of many cities, uh, here in Prince George, back at home in Smithers, down in Surrey, Vancouver, East Hastings, Calgary, Edmonton, you know, all these rises. And you say, uh, and I, I'm thank, thankful uh, for you saying, the, and a lot of people at those times said the potential I had. And I could, you know, I'd get clean and, and, I would, and I'd start rising, but I never got, it was that first drink I would take, like all of a sudden I'd be in a, at a function and have a drink and it would just, it kept, it just got worse as yeah. life went on and as I progressed and it got worse and uh, I couldn't get straight clean time and I just didn't understand that it was that first drink that got me every time, right? And, and it would lead to, it would lead to me walking on the streets. So what yeah. then created the turnaround for you in terms of saying, I got to stop yeah. and then move a different direction. Well, many of the times before it was either like a beautiful girlfriend of mine, like, uh, her, you know, she would, she, she'd help me for seven years. That would, that would, uh, you know, help me clean up and then go to like a detox and then a treatment center. And I did that many times, I think 10 times in total, but she persisted on and helping me. And then when she was, then that relationship ended, my mother would help me and these people would, keep helping me but in a way it just in the end it wasn't me doing it 
and in and uh, exactly it has to come from you had to come from me yeah as much love and, t and tough love and whatever kind of love that yeah. was given to me i couldn't do it until like you said when i hit all these finished bottoms and so much pain so much you yeah. know just everything was just not yeah. functioning right when yeah. when and when i knew that uh it was bad for me I finally down in East Hastings. I, I remember the day I was outside Metro Town, Metro Town in uh, Vancouver, and it just something hit me. And it was all the rises and falls. All these things did matter. All these yeah. people helping me in the end did help. And now uh, you were forty. Yeah, and uh, that's when I was forty when I had that slap in yeah. the face, and it was yeah. the Creator. Today I, I know I believe in the Creator. I believe in in all the the days that led up and all the up rises and falls that yeah. He was with me, right? And yeah. and you know you have a conscience and you always feel like. Somebody, that voice is talking to yeah. you or, you know, just voice of reason is what it could yeah. be. And, that, and today I realize it's the creator that directed me many times. And that day, uh, it took me three days to get back home up here. So up. that happened in, in uh, the east side of Vancouver has known for that a lot of people that are really, really struggling, they end up on the east side, yeah. and it's pretty much as bad as you can get it, right, yeah. down there. And when I was down there, I, again, being an indigenous man, I was, I was amongst some of my cousins that I didn't even know were down there, living in the back alleys. One of them just passed away a couple, like six months ago. Uh, rest in peace, Melissa Tom, but it was 80 to 90% Aboriginal people, First Nations people down there, right? And yeah. And uh, when you're down there, it becomes a culture and you become comfortable. Yeah. It it's just becomes comfortable. Uh, there's people you trust and people you don't trust. And, and uh, it's crazy. It's Russian roulette in a sense. And it's, it's a crazy lifestyle, right? But, it, but uh, many people live it every, each and every day. And, and uh, when you get into that, I'd say a groove, and I mean that in the most humble way, and get into that groove and that culture and that, that way of life in a sense, uh, it becomes comfortable, right? And it becomes normal. And it's, so, it's horrible because it's so, not good. So now yeah. what happened is they say, stop. Yeah. You said, right? Just, yeah. And, and, and now you have yeah. that power to know that you cannot go no further mm -hmm. because it's going to end up, you won't be there anymore. So you have to make a decision. Yeah. And so, and you were saying, you knew you had to go back home if mm -hmm. you wish to this region so that's what you did then and yeah like just to quickly go back you get comfortable comfortable you get in that culture but you're always watching your back you're yeah. always watching your back and yeah. i got sick and tired of watching my back the people that i did trust would always would always would always f you over i won't yeah. swear on yours but they would yeah. f you over and then you, you know you're right back to to buy yourself alone yeah. you know many different thoughts go through your head like it can yeah. go from suicide to, to to homicide in some in some senses exactly, right and that's yeah. that's the level and degree of the mentality you get in so yeah. too much of that i just had so much of that pain so much of being being used and abused couldn't trust any of the people that lived down there couldn't trust it. there was gang gang relations down there and i couldn't trust the rcmp because they were doing you know there was no one to trust right yeah and i just i had enough and it was in september of 2017 i had enough and that was when i was outside metro town so now we're in 2017 september yeah and you decided you have to go back home yeah and so what happened then well, I, I remember I called my mom, and I, my mom's my savior. She's always my go-to. She's my anchor. She's my guardian, yeah. uh, earth angel. And she, and I said, Mom, I want to come home. And and she, you know, she she didn't believe me. You know how many times, like uh, many times, you 
many addicts have doing that. And there's thousands of moms out there that know this story, right? And are, mil are even hundreds, but are even more, I should say. But, but she's like, okay, you come home, Wes, you come home. And it took me three days. I used online Facebook to reach out to people asking for gas money to get back because I still had a car. I lived in the car and uh, hoarded and had stuff in it. But uh, there was two, two girls, two beautiful women that sent me, one sent me $30 when I was in Chilliwack to put in my gas tank. And this time I was serious. I meant to come back. And, and I got from Chilliwack to 100 Mile House. And then I got to 100 Mile House and used social media again to reach out and some, another uh, e-transfer of $30 from another beautiful woman up here that, that, that you know, they just, gave me the $30 and I wasn't looking healthy and I knew what I was up to, but it got me back to Quinnell, called my mom, when, stayed, stayed the night in Quinnell uh, with uh, uh, a girl that I went down there with and came back with and she, she was, you know, unhealthy, but she helped me get back and forth and supported me as well. Um, but anyways, got to Quinnell and my mom's, my mom's like, oh, you're in Quinnell. So she sent me enough money to get back home. I again stayed at her house for about three days on the couch downstairs slept called detox every day and got into detox and uh i've been to detox before and i know how to utilize the beautiful healthcare workers that are there you know i adore them i love in them Quinnell, all. right no in in pg detox i got okay. from quinell that next day to pg stayed at my mom's house for three days uh called you have to call detox every day to get a bed got into there and from there i knew the resources to use uh you know to use to to get into a treatment center and, and to continue on uh, a journey of getting clean and sober, right? And I did get into a place called Wilpsaset, and uh, I, I was back. I was there before in 2013, but I they they had a, a men's trauma, eight weeks men's trauma coming up, and and uh, I knew the staff there, and they they knew I was sick, and they kind of followed me online, and I, you know, I, I use it online for a lot of the bad days, but I've used it for a lot of good too now, right? And and uh, people help, and people watch, and people learn, and and so they accepted me into the men's, the, the eight weeks men's trauma. And that's what another difference maker was, is I went to a place where it was just men. Yeah. It wasn't co-ed, there was no distractions of, of say the opposite sex or anything that would distract you. And, yeah. and I got hardcore down into, into here. And yeah. Wilpsaset is in Kitwanga, which is right by the Gitsan Nation, which yeah, is yeah. beside Witsat, and they knew about my culture. So that's yeah. when a whole bunch of uh, learning about residential schools, 60s school, yeah. learning about yeah. why my family tree on that side was that way yeah. or why what happened and why that I like to call it the black hole was within within me that yeah. I tried to feed with drugs and alcohol right so yeah. it was it was amazing the creator led me back there and I continued uh, I, the very first day I went I got to uh, Wilpsa said I said I need to be here longer what are your next courses and they said slow down one day at a time so what did they do then there did they talk about the past and 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 so that you could deal with that black hole yeah. the lack of clarity a lot of times the lack of why and how mm -hmm. and you work your way through all of that yeah they bring in elders yeah. uh two beautiful elders gary patsy's one from the get Sound nation ed harris plus the counselors robert ryan just came there from here these are men that 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 had the knowledge and and, and some of them had been i think uh, had gone through the same traumas, right? So they, they shared about 60s scoop in general. Yeah. Our residential school story, 60s scoop, uh, told the stories, uh, which kind of explained why why uh, my grandparents weren't around. Like my my 
my grandma Hazel Mitchell, she died in the hospital here in Prince George's cirrhosis of the liver. And my, my grandfather, Donald Mitchell, they both went to the Jack, one as a cook and one as a student. Uh, the cook was my, my grandma Hazel and the student was, was uh, Donald, but he ended up getting out and ended up in Riverview down in Vancouver because of all the traumas that happened to them. So they couldn't be, they couldn't be that family for my father. So a lot of, and whatever happened when they were all together was, was pretty rough lifestyle as yeah. well, right? And yeah. I don't know the just, but uh, you know, uh, I know my, my father went through probably a lot and I uh, couldn't at a younger age be the father that I needed and, and the spouse to my mom at that time. So uh, that never worked out, but uh, today he's in Morristown with a bunch of brothers and sisters of mine doing well and, and redemption and he's, he's a good man over there and, and you know, uh, it just wasn't part of my life and that was, that was hurtful because we, we are like splitting images of each other. Uh, we look like each other, we talk and, and there's yeah. a lot of familiars that weren't there for me growing up yeah but thanks to the creator i have terry ferguson but he passed on and then donald mitchell or donald miller sorry who has, has raised me but going back to the sorry going back to the treatment center they taught me about that lineage and what happened uh at that time i thought i was get him den which is a different clan I, like i had no clue about my identity from the indigenous side yeah uh of course my mom and the dutch side that i grew up with were beautiful and caring and loving but i you know i just didn't have the i didn't have that peace for me on the other side and that's you had to have that <laughs> to reconcile yeah. right say who am i yeah. and and why did all these things happen in a certain way and how do you put it all into place so that you then have the foundation from which you go forward, yeah. right? Instead of wondering why, yeah. yeah, I have, yeah. I, there's no real answers and there's no, no. quick remedy, but no. there, there's just a, there's just a, you know, a knowledge, a, a, an awareness now that this is why this happened. Now I yeah. can, I can sit there and stop, fi you and, know, fixating on that and work and on, that, on, on this that's person. That's the key for on you. On this person, yeah. What happened then? Now we're in 2017, 2018 maybe, and now Wes is in Prince George. Yeah. You are sober, and how did you go forward from that point forward? Well, I, I ended up doing three stints there and came back in January of 2018. Yeah. I didn't have anywhere uh, to live, so I stayed with my, my stepfather, yeah. Donald, and, and my mother again, Kathy, and, and yeah. started you know, going to 12-step meetings. I went to 12-step meetings and that, yeah. that's helped me throughout the years. Yeah. Huge, because that helps you work on you. Find, yeah. a, crea yeah. no find a creator, clean house and help yeah. others. Yeah. And then, uh, so I just, you know, I, all of a sudden my job was going to come back in McKenzie and that's where I was before I, I had a relapse and ended up down in East Hastings, was in McKenzie driving class one truck for yeah. Chucho. Okay. And I was on my way back up there to start dewatering. And uh, uh, the girl, one of the girls that sent me the $30, her name's Sarah, she's a nurse, sent me the $30, says there's, there's a job downtown right now for all points disposals and they're looking for a driver. Prince George. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I might as well try it, right? Yeah. And I got on with, uh, you know, Rose and Sean Kilm and they gave me that opportunity and, and I'm sure they kind of knew who I was a little bit, but they, they gave me an opportunity to yeah. drive uh, to learn in the, the waste disposal industry. So I'm like, okay. So I started driving roll off and front load around there for about a month and a half. And, and then, uh, and then they sold, they sold their business to waste management. And, and that's where a lot, that's, that's where, where I was in, like, I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I got that was 2018 that yeah. you got the job. Yeah. And then with the company that was doing waste management. And then from there and then they sold to a larger company 
company. All points did, yeah. Yeah, waste management. To, to a Fortune 500 company, waste yeah. management. Yeah. Right? And I was like, well, they're not going to accept me, right? No. But one day at a time, yeah. that's how I live, and just kept following directions, and, and I ended up getting, they, they flew me down to Vancouver, accepted me, and just to fast forward, I've never looked back, but uh, waste management has been a foundation for me since day one. Yeah. To, to, to the creator putting me at the right place at the right time yeah. and a new opportunity. So, yeah. so How many years now, Wes? Uh, clean and silver? Yeah. Uh, September 6th will be five years. Five years. Yeah. How long was waste management? Uh, four and a half. Four and a half years. Yeah. 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 And, and <laughs> for a guest, uh, you know, the, I, you know, I, I consider Wes a close friend, uh, but, uh, you know, for a number of reasons, we'll talk about a little bit more, but, uh, so, and I see him around town, although I'm busy, he's busy. And, uh, you know, so like this morning at, uh, uh probably around seven o'clock or so, maybe even before seven. So I'm, uh, I'm pulling into Starbucks on uh, uh, in Prince George uh, and uh, on the bypass in 15th, and then I see the waste minutes truck, and I already oh that's Wes, so I'm kind of waiting. I'm just ordering, and uh, and there he is, and he comes running over, and uh, and we say hi, hello, how are you doing? And then from there, and Wes does his thing, but he <laughs> runs into the store and say buy him a buy I buy the coffee. Yes. You know? So that was uh, you know, and then uh, obviously we talked about uh, at three o'clock we had the uh, podcast which we are doing right now. Yeah. So the other thing that uh, you know, this an amazing thing if you if kind of looking back because of uh, PTSD coming out of the environment that has been so much of a challenge a lot of times mm -hmm. in First Nations because of things that happened that likely should not have happened, but they did and mm -hmm. it is so destructive to a lot of individuals and uh, for no particular reason other than, you know, trying to work their way through drugs, alcohol, and and uh, PTSD, and to recover, then get come from that, and then start building a career like you already have. Is the other thing I like about Wes is that uh, you know the uh, you have to tell me more. Wes and and Ivan, his close friend, we'll talk about Ivan a little bit more too, have been drumming for a long, long time in the Prince George area and, and doing COVID. And it started all, I believe, of COVID where every Monday evening they go to the hospital and drum in support of those that uh, give their commitment and their service to keeping people healthy, yeah. even during the most difficult times. Yeah. Talk about drumming a little bit and then in particular about the hospital. You've been doing that now for 30, 30 months. Yeah, 30, if that's the calculation, definitely the 47 days straight, March 26, 2020, uh, I got out and started drumming for about a week. Uh, other people started joining in, and that's when Ivan came down uh, and joined, uh, you know, at, joined the, the drumming for the healthcare workers at yeah. that time, right? And as each wave went through, each wave... Like, each, thanks for your service. Yes, definitely. Definitely, yeah. the whole world shut down. Yeah. You could hear a pen drop, right? Yeah. Uh, but people wanted, you know, we, we, we knew there was quarantines going on. Uh, we knew people would be going to a hospital. So yeah. we were going to the Prince George, our UHMBC Prince, uh, hospital there. Yeah. And uh, 
we we want we wanted to support these healthcare and then now they're healthcare heroes because they had to go to work every day exactly the short staff short ppe yeah you know not knowing what they're walking into yeah. having to go home to their families and uh, we wanted to be down there outside and of course a safe distance uh you know with masks on at sometimes and, and back to them off and whatever you know following the, the health guidelines we we did our best uh to to bring comfort and love by smudging drumming praying showing comfort and love to families that were, you know, at sometimes they couldn't be inside with their members, either via, either through on our Facebook or FaceTime, they would have to talk to each other, but we were there. But, but the other us. thing that you do, you're being supportive, not only yeah. of the workers, but also from, I remember a couple of times that I was there, you recognize people that are, are patients struggling yeah. and, and their family members that mm. cannot visit them yeah. are then part of the circle. And uh, so it's a very, very interactive, uh, uh, you know, a, a amazing really uh, the, that circle. Very heavy on the emotions, uh, yeah. to, to, you know, just for what I've gone through before to come into this, this, this stage, being outside of hospital, supporting family members to the best of our ability because all they have in their mind is a bunch of healthcare workers PPP'd up to the tilt, their, their family member laying in a bed, tubes going in them, you know, all, as, as their oxygen levels go down, 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 they don't know if they're going to come back up. And a lot of the times they didn't, they passed on, exactly. right? Yeah. So, you know, we have social care workers, health care workers inside, yeah. uh, any of the staff inside. A lot of just, pain. Just, just the only ones that can be with these people. And, yeah. and the numbers were daily, just people passing on, right? Yeah. And uh, family members outside. So what we wanted to do is, is be that, that, uh, that second comfort of, like as a first responder, is be like second responders outside for, exactly. for everybody in, in, a, in a spiritual way in a cultural way, but with yeah. everybody and anybody included, of course, that traditional drum yeah. uh, was the main remedy because they could hear it's something that we could all connect with yeah. and is, is a very, you know, it brings in the ancestors and it's very sacred and the songs are prayers in itself, right? So tell us more about the drummer and Wes and Ivan and others. It's so much part of the culture of the Aboriginal communities and the indigenous people that drumming is brings them together it's wow. so critical T tell us yeah. a, a bit well, it's, more it's, about it you know it's sacred it's, the drama is very sacred it's yeah. been around for thousands of years used for ceremony yeah. but used for healing and in my own journey it's been a healer and then to come come fast forward to what we're doing outside we're healing others right so so that drama a living organism at one time an animal and a, and a tree brought together to to bring peace and unity and it's, as soon as you start drumming, people come, no matter what, if I'm drumming at the hospital or down at the, the, the Central Interior Native Health Society, people come right away. Or the, or the and, City Hall. And or, their eyes glow. Or the university. Their, their or, eyes glow. They're yeah, just interested. Whether, I've seen it. Yeah, whether they're around you or within you, and we grab them and bring them in. It's yeah. just, it's a way to, you know, in a time in a pandemic where everybody was told to isolate, be away from everybody, even your family members, even your spouses. Uh, you know, husband and wives couldn't be around each other if one of them got it. We were there and we, we could bring people together. And in there are other life. things that are being done. Uh, you know, I, I remember being there and then as part of the culture is, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the feathers that are very sacred. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other one is the smoke 
and where you you know raise that over somebody's body and uh, so it's a it, it's a it's a cleansing very, yeah yeah it's a, and uh, it, there is a lot to this in terms of the culture yeah. thousands and thousands of years old yeah. and uh, as part of the history so, the so rich history you'll see behind. as you do it with the feather it honor the, the the eagle feather is an honor and, yeah but they use it to brush and pee like i learned that at the treatment center as well i got brushed and it was an amazing feeling by yeah. gary patsy but so we're doing it there we're not doing too much of the actual breast ceremony but we're smudging which is like a cleansing of the mind, body, spirit. Yeah. And we can also stand there with the smudge like this and hold yeah. the feather up and people grab it. It's like cleaning yourself, you know? Yeah, like yeah. You're, you're cleaning your... Yeah, yeah. But, and then yeah, the I smoke goes up and it's like prayers. Yeah. I, I, amazing. Yeah. Absolutely uh, amazing. Now, the other thing is uh, you've been very involved in the cancer clinic and yeah. all the things around that, but not only limited to that, but you're very, very involved in the community. Everybody knows Wes. A lot of times you're with your friend Ivan and, uh, you know, so you, you're just part, so much part of this community. And, uh, uh, you know, tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, well, you know. Intertwined with getting my culture back, huge. And then I'd mentioned the 12 steps and one of the, and when you do the 12 steps, you're supposed to do service work and you're supposed to help others. So when I started volunteering and, and even came back to when I first picked up a drum in 2015, before I got clean. So when I first picked up a drum, I volunteered and that's how the drum got into my hand. So now going back into, as soon as I got clean for what I'm doing right now and in some steady clean time, I volunteer, I, uh, you know, uh, became part of the Wheeling Warriors of the North uh, for the past four years now. I you know, as a team, we, we've raised over, well, since they've started in 2012, over a million dollars. But in my stint in the yeah. four years, almost $17,000 raised for BC Cancer. Yeah. And I'm honored to say that because I have the DeWitt tattoo right here. Yeah, yeah. And I, they've all passed on of cancer, my mom's brothers and sisters. So, yeah. so that's why that's part of my life is to give back and also pay it forward for whatever may happen next. Not yeah. only for my family, but for other families. Yeah. And then there's the Prince George Bruce Kings. I volunteered as a first aid attendant with them for the past four years. Amazing time as they, they've won a Fred Doyle Cup. And, and uh, you know, it's, they went to all, almost all the way to Western Canada, winning the cup for, uh, against the Bandits. So, but these are all things I've given my time because in my past, in those 20 years, yes, I was up and down in rows, but when I was really down, you know, I made some bad decisions and did some bad things like some of the people do, right? Against the law, right? So I wanna pay it back and I wanna uh, also keep myself busy and intertwined and do things uh, in a humble, honest way. Yeah. Right? Pay it forward, whatever you may call it. Volunteering is huge for me. Yeah. It's, it keeps me busy and, and that's where you meet good people. You're gonna network to the best people in the world because that's who volunteers. And I, I, once I got a taste of that volunteering, it just and, and with an addictive nature in the past, that's kind of where it comes into where, what I used to put into my addiction, I want to put into, into my community now. Exactly. And, uh, and uh, you know, I go, I go hard with the community yeah. and I do it because I have a huge heart and I love people and it makes me a better person. Yeah. It makes me feel, feel better and I just, I love seeing people smile. Yeah. You know, I love events, you know, once in a while, sneaking a free coffee to them or, yeah. or whatever. These things are, are, are yeah. just how I'm actually built. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it makes me that much more of a, you know, part of this community, a better person in the community. Now, the other part about it that you talk about and that you know about is that, you know, we have so many people living on the streets, even here, uh, you know that uh, you know that that are having challenges. Uh, you know they have done 
more and more housing and all those kind of approaches. But I sometimes feel they, we're not giving them what they require in terms of not giving them, but helping them. Mm -hmm. How do they break the cycle? Because you were there for nearly 20 years and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, and a lot of people, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, well, make it go away is not an answer, obviously, because that's not what it is. But, yeah. but, but, but more can we do as a community? I'm not talking about Prince George. I'm talking about uh, East Vancouver, Prince George to a certain extent, other communities. But what can we do from somebody that has gone through challenges uh, like that uh, and, and proportionally a lot of times it affects people from First Nations. Mm -hmm. What can we do? And I'm not trying to be critical of anybody that is not doing that today or should be doing that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm simply talking to you as, as somebody that has been there and saying, what can we do that well, we could do better? Looking for solutions, looking yeah, for better, exactly. our new, new ways. Um, yeah, exactly. What we can do is, is number one, is show love. Always yeah. show love. That yeah. is number one. And yeah. of course, you're going to need these systems. You're going to need these funds. You're going to need detox centers. You're going to need treatment centers. And those are all fine and dandy and good. But what we need is, uh, you know, and, and what we need is the Moxon Flats is a good spot. So the ones that don't want to go to these new complex care uh, places are... Uh, our housings or the night sins, you know, there's people that will go there, but there is the eventual ones that either have the mental health or, or other issues that don't, can't be in those places. So Moxon Flats is great. And we have gardens setting up there, but what needs to be done is a little more sanitation for, for them, like uh, waste disposal, uh, showers and uh, laundry facilities and bathrooms. That's just, just a simple necessity that needs to be done. But then the biggest solution that needs to be done is people that have got like say over two years, maybe two years plus, and that's just, just throwing it out there uh, as outreach workers. We need those outreach workers that are out there that have been there before. Uh, of course you have your university ones, psychology ones, and they help. They need to work with the people that have been through it and we need to be put out there together and, and uh, you know, work with the RCMP, work with the, the bylaw officers, and, and then go with them to, 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 to help resolve to the best of our ability to, to, to get these people, you know, not filling up the third avenues with tents and stuff, but filling up certain areas where they can feel safe, still have their stuff safe, and feel like a human being and do what they need to do as a human. Uh, but we need that done. But the biggest thing is, and... and and for me, I had to go, like I had to go to Kitwanga and, and find about my nations. What we need is healing centers, and we need people from the nations. Like I would like say 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 I'm back on the streets here in, in Prince George, uh, back to where I was before. What we need is for those we need outreach workers from the nations to come to the city, grab their loved ones, and bring them home to a facility that might be yeah. built at home as well. And yeah. give them that culture, give them that love, give them those 12 steps and, and yeah. whatever meetings they might need. Uh, but they need to be home, you yeah. know, like, like and, and it becomes a problem for the city here, right? And, and, and the city does, they can do a certain amount, but we need, we need everybody involved yeah. to, to do that. And we need to bring them home. They need yeah. to go home and yeah. they need to not be, you know, and, and, and that's just, that's a fact. Yeah. And, 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 and being on the streets is one way, but up in the jails is another place. You go up there and it's just incarcerated again, 70 to 80% people. So it has to happen 
maybe in, in all these different areas. And uh, I do know people that go up there, up to the jail and help, but it's pretty strict up there. And to get help up in, because I've been incarcerated before, to, to, to get uh, at certain times to get any help up there, you, you, mean you have to be a long-term person that's up there for a long time to even get into places at the jail, right? So yeah. that just kind of got off the left field there. But what needs to be done is they need to go home. That love, the culture, and... Is and, at home. And home. Yeah. Right, like, yeah, and uh, there's and and just with maybe but, the resources and and the help isn't there at home, but I think it's getting better. I feel be, it's getting because better. I look at you, you know, like uh, you know, kind of giving us the privilege of taking you through the steps, you know, how the challenges that you encountered, PTSD, obviously, and uh, somewhat dysfunctional families and challenges, uh, you know, with. Uh, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, in, in, in different places that was home, but not understanding in a lot of cases, as you said, that big black hole. And, and until you can reconcile it, you can then start addressing the issues. What is Wes going to do from here on forward? Because what you were doing in Vancouver only would have one solution unless, or one conclusion, unless you said, I got to get out of here yeah. and uh, because the other option would be not a good one uh, you know you wouldn't have yeah. survived it and uh, you know how do, you know what can we do more that to help you know people to go home get that support help them in those areas mm -hmm. rather than you know just building houses alone will not do it but there yeah. must be you know so it's helping it especially helps. when you're up in the, in the north and winter comes yeah like yeah. that was huge last year before we had mocks and flats and and people were starting fires out there and barely you know we people we thought would freeze but if they're they're get like we're getting more here yeah. in the north yeah and with their weather up here you need that you know you got your heat domes in the summer and then you got your, yeah. your cold cold winters right so uh yeah. the ones that are not wanting to go into a home or a, a safer spot and that want to live out in the streets yeah you have to you, we have to do something for them and moccasin flats is great yeah maybe fire pits there uh you know it's 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 very and, and each person is different right like i can sit here and say that but it might be different for somebody else but that's what worked for me i had a mother that cared about me very very much yeah and uh you know she never gave up on me yeah and that found me love and that's what i'm kind of meant by even even the nations you know we need to become one tribe you know one yeah. tribe y'all and uh get it get it going uh not only with the nations, but non, you know, we need the indigenous, non-indigenous, the immigrants. We need everybody, the, you know, settlers to, to work together on that solution. Yeah. Because, because we're, in, we're in a country that's very beautiful and we can do that, right? I think. Best place in the world. That's right. Number yeah. one, Canada, right? So no, There's no other place like yeah. it anywhere around the world. And, yeah. and, and the rest of the world have challenges as well. Different maybe and in some cases the same, but uh, yeah. to have uh, a country like we have, uh, Canada in particular, BC is amazing. And then, uh, and then there's the drug toxic toxicity right now. It's it's crazy. People are dropping six to seven people a day. Uh, you know, there's just there's so much within our system that needs to just either open up and and be free, or, or you know, to, and 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 not really control it, but have a safe drug supply. Have you know, and, and then have them, because when you when when they're out there getting these toxic drugs, they're not only dying; they're getting drugs that are put in their body that make them even more, 
you know, delusional and like the, the, the stuff that's being put in there is, is, is making them is just more crazy. Sometimes I think, I Wes, was, I, and I can relate. Yeah. I, sometimes I think Wes is that it should not be controlled because by controlling it, you have all the bad stuff coming in and people, uh, it should be, a, that's just my view. If yeah. somebody wants to use it, it should be readily available yeah. and hopefully safe. And a safe, that's yeah. exactly and, what and I'm saying. And that is yep. the critical part. That's and, right. And if it isn't, if it is not allowed to be, uh, or you can't have it, that yeah. then opens the door for criminal conduct and, and whatever they put on the street yeah. is these, deadly. Yeah, you're getting these sideshow chemists or whatever, trying to put whatever they can together within crystal meth is one of them that they, they do in their bathtub and people don't know what they're smoking, what they're sticking in their veins. Scary, right? It's horrible. I've heard of horrible stories that they, they mix it with, with feces and stuff and sell it to people. Scary. Yeah, like it, it's actually dope, but it's yeah. mixed with others, obviously, you know, like the fentanyl. Not good, is, not It's crap, good. absolute yeah. crap, right? I so, say decriminalize it you know so uh in my view but yeah. maybe that's a simple solution too and, but and i know what we have today as, it doesn't as work. society if i'm not saying that we need to accept it 100 but when we have that that little level of acceptance and that safety uh you know the people aren't going to be as crazy maybe they're going to be a little more comfortable and they yeah. won't be stuck at a mock in some flats maybe yeah. they'll have that little extra level to go to a complex care unit where they're going to have elders there they're going to have yeah. support workers and then there's that that process yeah they, they get a little more opportunity at a better life yeah. and obviously get off the drugs right but it's no simple task it's a disease uh it's you know the i talk with my mom a lot and and we have We've been to funerals of friends of mine that have passed on because of it, and yeah. uh, it's two to five percent. It's very rare that two to five percent people that get out of, get out of the situations that I am yeah. in get out. And and with what we've just talked about, we can make that yeah. percent go up to ten percent. We can make it go up to twenty, but it's it's got to be done in a safe yeah. way, and that's the best way I can say it. A little more I want to talk to you Open about is, is that your friend, every time, not every time, but most of the time that I see you, you with Ivan in <laughs> settings, because the two of you are close, yeah. and Ivan is also an amazing yeah. individual. Uh, yeah. You know, the, I remember uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, we had uh, the Clint and Park, uh, you know, I think we had uh, two events last year, and uh, you know we, we 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 had the privilege of uh, helping out and and donating uh, you know the, uh, uh, the orange shirts and uh, that was beautiful yeah and but you guys were so active there uh, you know putting this all together and getting all the support there were a lot of people 2021 was a year of of ups and downs and 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 nobody yeah. wanted nobody could do events and nobody no. wanted to do events no. and there was a lot of risk in it but uh it was the 215 rising we did at, at clayton Tene park and then a little shortly after that we did a uh, uh, national indigenous day which yeah. when you got the shirts and then yeah. canada day did more shirts a sea yeah. of orange and then we did the first uh i think five thousand dollars worth of shirts reconciliation. <laughs> yeah amazing everybody sea was wearing sea orange. orange and and yeah. with the rising of the 215 with what's going on yeah, there wasn't a better time for 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 obviously what you did is is, is amazing. But to, to to share that awareness of truth and reconciliation, to share the orange short story, to share just you know all about what 
what, what was being brought up for the Every Child Matters, but not only within those two, but the Canada Day was huge because a lot yeah. of people were, were, and we just said Canada's number one, and I love Canada, no matter yeah. what, this is, no question. This is beautiful, right? And uh, we, we, we wanted to make sure that, that as what we were doing at the hospital, what we did as cultural Indigenous men, yeah. that we wanted people to respect Canada Day. Yes, we had the Sea of Orange, and that was very yeah. beautiful. Yeah. But, you know, I, I didn't really, upside down flags and, and all that. I mean, yes, there's, there's, uh, there's, Definitely needs to be accountability and, and uh, that recognition of what happened, but at the same time we're we're uh, we're in a we're in a time where we all need to we need to be together and that's what we did at the hospital I and that's what you. we did at our events and that's yeah. what you you and Scott contributed to you know yeah. just coming down and, and the the people that just you know the indigenous non people were handing the shirts out exactly and they were gone like that like oh, the yeah. first time they were gone so quick I didn't know what happened but but it was amazing that you, again. We, we, we came back on Canada Day and shared as Canadians, yeah. you know, the, 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 the respect, the love and the memory of yeah. what has happened with the 215 no, and so. But not only that, but respect Canada because we, you know, we're going through a pandemic and we're going through it together yeah. as Canadians. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's where I say one tribe y'all again, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and I like that. Recognition Indigenous Day was a very, very big event. And then Canada Day, obviously that followed, and yeah. uh, you know, so, yeah. so the as we go further, you know, the you you becoming more and more involved in different things in the community. You're more and more co community uh, oriented in all the things that you do. You work hard uh, with base base management, obviously doing your job, and then. Other than that, uh, you know, a lot of events that I go to, uh, you know, who are there, Bess and Ivan, yeah. you know, in drumming. In fact, uh, about a, a couple of weeks ago, you, you guys, uh, you know, came to, uh, we released the book. I don't see it here offhand, but, uh, mm. uh, you know, ADHD uh, Unlocked, and uh, you came down together uh, with Ivan, and uh, you, you drummed extremely successful yet more people all around in a circle everybody just loves it yeah and uh you know and that and and the, the key to, to these every event that we go to is we we include everybody yeah. it's not just and and don't get me wrong to get up and perform is beautiful yeah but what we want is for people to feel that drum and so many people that have just first first very first time played the the the, the, the hand drum or the the big Big uh, powwow yeah. style drum. Yeah, they just love it, and the the smiles on their faces. Yeah, and you know we, me and Ivan will will kind of circulate the room as yeah. we drum and sing the songs and, and show love. People yeah. people love attention. They love it when I come up to you and I'm drumming and I oh, give yeah. you the you know that and they yeah. feel it and they you know they start yeah. you start yeah. mimicking and doing the same sounds or no or a warrior cry. It's amazing and yeah. I, and for me to be part of that and and to have Ivan beside me and all the UHMBC Prince George traditional drummers deserve it because they yeah. come out every Monday. They come out to every event to the best of their abilities. Yeah. It's not just me and Ivan, it's all of us. And, but we love to lead and we love to have the people beside us. Uh, it's, it, and that's how it's done is, is together. Teamwork, uh, unity, and, uh, and then you know when you come into a room where, where, you're, where you're in the penthouse, thanks to Craig for, yeah. for being at the penthouse for, yeah. for, for John Brink, yeah. And his release of his ADHD book that uh, uh, was such an honor with a bunch of people that yeah. are your close friends and that I've seen are, are community uh, heroes, leaders. You know, uh, it was a little, you know, but we just did our thing and, yeah. and we, we, we loved it. 
We had, we had your nephew up on the big drum. I, Keith, we did. Keith, he loved Keith, it. Yeah. Keith, he came up to the, the yeah. following Monday, he came he up and drummed with us. And yeah. he loved going to yeah. visiting you guys yeah. as well, right? So, and, and yeah. that's just, yeah. we get, we only have one life and, and there's so many beautiful people in it that we need to, we need to appreciate and, and share our similarities and share the love and share, share the, the crazy echoes is what I like to say, right? Now, now the other thing that is happening as well is that, uh, in Prince George, uh, you know, every so often there are elections for city council in Prince George, and and there have been some rumors that uh, you've been kind of taking a look at something like that. Yeah, I've done quite a few, you know, my rise and falls. I had a lot, and then the past five years, I've uh, really communicated. You know, I've. I love Prince George. Yeah. Number one is I love Prince George. I know uh, you do. Since 86, I haven't turned around and I, yeah. and I love it being here. And uh, this year with uh, the 2022 uh, elections for City Hall, for, yeah. for Mayor and City Council, uh, Wesley Mitchell's uh, going to take a good run at, at, at City Council. So what I want to do is I want to be your first supporter to sign up on your document that you need to get support. I want to be the first one to do that. I'm gonna do that while we are sitting here. So I have my pen ready. That's, I'm honored. This is, this, is, <laughs> this is beautiful. And what a beautiful, what a beautiful moment. Of course, I brought my nominations uh, here and for you to be the first is an honor. And uh, uh, I respect that. And to the best of my ability, I will move forward to doing the best thing, things for the city of Prince George as an ambassador and as a person. One day at a time though, yeah. thank you for the nominations, yeah. John. I think you be somebody that has earned uh, you know, the respect and uh, to see somebody, especially with your background that is so broad mm. and then, uh, you know, that I think you would add that special talent to uh, City Council and so uh, uh, I will be the first one. I will sign it uh, as we're sitting here and Wes, thank you for being my yes. guest. I appreciate it. And, and good I, luck. And uh, I'll be a voice for all people. All I, people. I know you will be. Yeah. Thanks, Wes. Yes. Appreciate it. Thank you, yeah. John. So I'm going to take that document. Yeah. yeah. And we are, we are officially on our route to nominations for the 2022 campaign. Wesley Mitchell campaign 2022 at gmail.com. Supported by Mr. John Brink. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. There you I go, thoroughly Wes. enjoyed that again, conversation, too. Again, Very success. And uh, I'll, I'll, should I put it here? Yeah, we're good. Thank you for being my guest again. Okay, let's, let's take, I was take one, let's do take two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>